Fabulous with Vibs and Vicky, the ThinkShift podcast for professionals who aspire to be fabulous leaders, those who not only succeed, but also purposefully seek to reinvent the world. Welcome again to the Be Fabulous podcast. This is the episode three, the last and final one with Will on the uh, career and success journey of the programmatic trader all the way through superstar performer, then on to awesome manager. And then we arrive at uh, what does it look like to be a top-notch executive in the world of programmatic trading or a company or an agency or an organization that's in that space. reminder to anyone who's listening um you know we in the first episode we kind of talked about you know uh, what constitutes success what motivations are when you're at that stage of your life that stage of your career in the world of programmatic trading um and if you don't know what programmatic trading is probably a good idea to either google it or go and listen to that first podcast where to be honest will explained it to me in a way that was uh, way easier than anything i've ever read online so uh so that was, that, was a, that was a nice little bonus. Um, and so, you know, we, we charted the journey of what constitutes success, what, how one has to rewire the way they think about their careers, their team, how they manage, how they, how they lead. And uh, we, we kind of been through two of these journeys now. Now we're at probably the, uh, I, I actually think it's the most challenging one. This is the, that journey from awesome manager to top-notch executive. So, you know, you're, you're doing fine, you've got a team, you kind, of, you kind of wrap your head around the idea that, you know, your success is intrinsically tied to kind of how well your team is doing, but you're still close enough to the work that's being done. You still kind of feel like you know your stuff. Um, you still feel like if anything goes wrong, you can just, you know, dig in and you're just as good as you were when you were 25 and what have you. And now it's a different place, you know, typically you're a little bit later on in your career, you're probably, you know, I mean, without generalizing too much, you're probably sort of mid to late 30s now. Um, you know, chances are you're in a different stage of life, you've got different commitments on you. And you think you're doing really, really well. You, you, and, you know, someone then, you know, comes along and says, uh, we're going to make you a VP. And, and uh, you know, in pre COVID times, you'd go out, you'd celebrate, you'd get a bunch of friends together, you'd go to the pub, bars, restaurants, whatever, have a nice steak dinner, get drunk, go back to work, and then what? And that's really the journey that we're talking about here. So, um, uh, Will, I'm just going to throw it open to you. So, so just, just tell us a little bit. I mean, you live, I mean, this is quite recent memory for you. So, so tell us, like, you know, what did it feel like? What, what did you feel you were going through? Yeah, I think it's a big one. I think, you know, you make this transition and you think, Kind of like the the shift from individual contributor to manager, you think it's something you're ready for, you're excited, um, you can make the leap, you've been preparing for it, and you're faced with a whole new level of challenges, you know, a whole new level of of uncertainty. Um, so you go back into that kind of circle of of not knowing what you're doing um, and needing to lean into that. I think you know anyone that moves into an executive position or a higher level of leadership, their ultimate goal should just to, to want to be the best leader they can be. And that's, you know, for their team, for their organization, for themselves. Um, 
But I think one of the hardest things for me early on and probably still is, you know, that's a never ending process. And if you know me pretty well, I, I read a lot. I, I do a lot of research. I, I tap into my mentors probably more than I should for yeah. um, help with this. But it doesn't come down to, to skills and effort. You know, it's an experience thing. And, yeah. you know, that's probably the biggest aspect of the shift between manager to leader or manager to executive. Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, what I normally see, and I mean, correct me if, if you went, but I'd love to know actually if you went through this, was what I see a lot of is um, people get very, how can I put it, leadership or executive book smart as a manager, right? Like, you know, I'm reading HBR every month. I'm, I've read every leadership book that's come out in the last three months. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm up on my, you know, pick your author. You know, there's, there's hundreds of them. And so you, you, in your mind, you feel like you have all the knowledge and I'm going to do differently when I'm in that role. <laughs> I'm going to be so good. I know my stuff. Why am I, you know, if I, I don't understand why my leaders behave this way and then bang, you know, you realize that, well, you know, knowing it and doing it or knowing it and being it are night and day. You know, there may as well be different, different skills. I think, and I think you can be as book smart as you want. Um, until real life experience hits you in the face. And I think that's where, and I'm not saying that reading about leadership or any of that isn't no, really valuable, you know, and it is yeah. necessary. And I think... Um, Without that, you I have no foundation, is, I would think. Exactly. And what, I think what I've realized is I do a fair amount of leadership reading, but also whether it's communication or whether it's, you know, productivity. I think, you know, you know that I'm a big productivity habit type person, so... I, I think those are things that have helped me as a leader, but nothing, nothing gets you prepared for that, like dealing with it in, in a real-life experience. And I think that's something that I'm learning and something that I've stumbled over, you know, over the last nine months is thinking that I'm ready for this and that I need to go through those experiences to be the best leader I can be. So, okay, so I need to dish some dirt now. Like, you know, give me some real stories. Now, you know, obviously without offending anyone or, or, or sharing anything that's inappropriate to share, but... But, you know, I think, I think most of us can wrap our heads around that conceptually. But can you give a couple of examples of what, what you thought things were going to be like and what they ended up being like with a couple of real examples or real-ish examples? Yeah, I think, I think that, you know, anytime you move into a higher position of power, you just think that people are going to listen to you, that your opinion is going to land, that, you know, you've got all the answers to everything. Um, I'll use an example. We've been working on a pretty big project, you know, for the company over the last almost 12 months. Um, and it's something that there will be many iterations of, um, but I was super close with over the first six months of this year. Um, went to communicate it to a larger group of our organization, um, and it didn't land right. You know, I think because I knew it really well, um, I was able to communicate it really well to the group that I had come from. So when I went and presented it to the, tra the trading team, um, it landed really well because I, I harmonized with them well. I know their roles really well. It landed really well with them, and they understood the impact of it. I went to deliver it to a group of our sales team, and it didn't land well. And I think in that moment, you know, I got defensive, um, and I was more reactive to it um, rather than responding to them. Um, and that was a real, like, stumbling point for me, and I got one of the best pieces of advice ever coming out of that from, from my mentor, and it was about communication as a leader and it was about the interpretation of the message you're delivering. And 
the idea that when you deliver an important message or a core message to any group of people in an organization um, that you know really well or that you need to land really well, the interpretation of that message is 100% your responsibility. And if people don't take it the way you want them to, um, that's on you, that's not on them. So you need to think about how you're delivering it to, to the group that you're delivering it to so that it lands the way you want it to. And I think that was a big stumbling point for me a couple times early on, and I would get pissed off. And, you know, why aren't they getting this? Like, it's so simple. I'm communicating it the same way I did to everyone else. Um, And really, that was my fault. You know, and it was my fault for not catering it to the group that I was delivering it to. My fault for not planning it out properly. And I think that was a a growth moment for me and will continue to be as I learn to, to communicate more clearly. Because I think communication is something that I've always, you know, hung my hat on and felt I was really good at, it changes a lot when you step up into this level and the, the way that you communicate, the consistency with how you communicate and the delivery of it has to change with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got to ask you, so you, you, you know, you got up on stage, delivered this message. So, so what happened? I think, you know, I, I thought it was going to land really well. I thought the messaging was perfect. Um, it was, and I'll generalize here with, with salespeople across any industry, you know, there was a lot of, well, what about this? And how's this going to work? I don't like this. And a lot of throwing back of ideas that I thought were, were really good. Um, and I think what I realized from that, and, you know, the frustration that I felt in that time period was they were valid concerns, you know? And I think the learning moment there for me and the learning moment for any leader, and, you know, this took some, some coaching and some guidance from, from the people above me is that, you know, people aren't judging you in that moment. They're judging your work. It's not a personal attack. And if they have a problem with the work that you're presenting, that's a viable concern. It's something that needs to be addressed. So I think what I learned from that is I went back afterwards um, and looked at the responses that they had. And they were important things that we needed to fix on the project. And I think, you know, that's, it's a, it's an ongoing growth thing for anyone. But I think a big learning point for me was, listen, you can't be reactive in your communication. Um, you can be short um, if you don't agree, but you can't be reactive because someone disagrees with the work you've done because there's a good chance that there's some valuable, there's some valuable information in there that will help you make it better. But I think it's a little bit of pulling the ego back, you know, and it's a, Anyone that steps into a higher leadership position or any leadership position is going to have a little bit of that ego in them, and they're not going to want to be told they're wrong. And being told you're wrong isn't a, an attack on you. Isn't you as a person are wrong? It's the work that's been done um, could be better. And I think that's what I've been trying to work on. Yeah, and that's hard, right? Because I think as a, as a as an executive, you know, you know, I, the, when I when I'm coaching people all day. I mean, you've heard me say this a thousand times, you know, what it means to be an executive is that a third of people are always going to be miserable with whatever decision you make. <laughs> it's just, you know, there's going to be a third of people that'll be with you, a third of people that'll be against you, and a third of people will blow in the wind, depending on what their friends are doing or or what they think on that particular issue. And so, you know, our, 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 it's easy sometimes to think our, um, our, our tolerances of what constitutes doing a good job or being right they're almost set too high and then we become executives and we're just like destined to feel miserable <laughs> because those those same thresholds can't be reached. 
And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting you say that. So I, I got oh, okay. So so you know, when, when you when you when you were asked to take on this role um, or, or step up, if you like, into that into that sort of you know that, what we call the top notch exec zone, you know, what were your motivations like? How 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 did you approach that? Yeah, I think anyone that that goes through any any round of circle of sucks or has been through a couple of them in their career. You're waiting um, for it this time. I know you're you're ready for it. I think the idea of being challenged um, is important to everyone. I think being challenged is one of my biggest motivators. I think you know me and my personal life outside of MIQ. It's there are very few off days for me, and it's whether it's pushing myself mentally at work or in reading or the things I do outside of work to improve, you know, my knowledge base or whether it's training for an Ironman and, and the physical push on myself. I think being challenged is a huge motivator. And I think, you know, leaders don't want to just sit around and do the same thing day in and day out. Um, engagement and, and the work that we do is, is critical for satisfaction. So I think the idea for me of not only moving into a new role that I didn't know what I was doing, that I didn't have the skill set for right away, um, on top of having it be a completely new group that I wasn't used to, um, was a huge challenge for me. And I think that was a huge motivator. I think the jump from manager to executive, uh, and I hope Sean's not listening to this one, but uh, I think is- I'll make sure he listens. I think I think is where you start to pull a little bit away from the monetary side of things being the most important yeah. thing to your motivation. And I think, you know, even as a middle of the road manager, your first thought is usually about your paycheck. And that's a super honest approach. And, you know, I was that way. And I was always looking at, you know, what's my next step to, to make more money. I think this one for me was so much about personal growth. And it was about you know, the, the access I have to people like yourself, you know, to people like Sean and to like Charlie that are going to help mold me into the leader that I want to be. And that's more important. And I think the, the personal growth, the being challenged, and then the most important is, is the team aspect of it. You know, I think any good leader that wants to build followership, you know, the motivation of building a team and building trust with a new group of people, um, is a really important one. And I think a big challenge for me because, you know, I moved from programmatic trading that I had spent my last eight years in to a whole new team um, that I didn't, I hadn't functioned as an individual contributor in that group. So I think building trust of my leadership team and knowing that they knew the right answers to the hands-on keyboard questions um, and starting to build that kind of cohesion with them and trust both ways with them has been an ongoing process. And I think something that really motivates me is that building those relationships that I've valued my entire life, whether it's at work or whether it's personally, and continuing to build those internally. Yeah, that's, 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 that's really interesting. Can I ask you a question? Do you think that, how much do you think that the things you expressed, uh, you know, I think good leaders think like that. I'm not sure necessarily... I'm not. I'm not sure necessarily most executives think that way. I, I think so. You know. You, you know. In our podcast, we talk a lot about you know why there's so many executives and so few leaders, and like I, I and that's I think what you hit on there is why we always talk about 
you know, lots of people have executive titles, but they're really still managers in the way that you just expressed it. Um, and I think what, you're, what you expressed there is a really interesting insight into almost how you have to think in order to create followership and be a leader. Otherwise, you're always going to be that executive that no one really wants to work for, but kind of has to work for in order to, you know, to get their paycheck and whatever, whatever, whatever. And generally aren't, aren't the sorts of people that you're really inspired by, want to follow, think, you've, think they've got your back. And, you know, it starts feeling like you're a cog in a machine rather than, rather than someone who's going to be, a, be given a platform to grow. So I think it's really interesting you brought that up. And while I think it's absolutely true in your case and it's a credit to you, I, I don't know if that's the default for how most people end up, um, you know, in that, in that circle of stuff. They do want the extra money. They do want the bigger house. They do want the... And so, you know, I think the difference is often too many people go into executive roles with the aspiration of not screwing up as opposed to, I'm going to I want to do really well, which is not the same thing. And listen, I'm not perfect in this. I think I still deal with this a lot. And I think some of the advice I got recently around falling back into a little bit of a trap of being an executor and getting things done because it feels good. You know, it feels good to get things done, to raise your hand, to finish a project. Um, you to know, be I the hero. Feedback recent. Yeah, to be the hero. And it's like I got some feedback recently that, you know, people that I work with love working with me. People who I work for love that I work for them. People that work for me really like working for me. And that that should shift a little bit. And it's like you want a little bit of like, the people that work for you, you want to absolutely love working for you. And you probably want to pull back a little bit of that. The people that you work for probably like working with you, but you challenge them enough that, you know, you, you go back and forth a little bit. And I think I have a really good dynamic with, with my leaders in our company with that. But it's something I'm working on. And it's something that, you know, putting that faith back in your team always comes first is an important one that leaders need to realize because they should be ahead of you. They should be ahead of your boss. You know, if you take care of your team and you make sure that they're developing, everything else will fall into place. You know, I, it's, it's funny you say that because I always think of like looking after your team as a, at one level is quite a selfish act because your, your life becomes increasingly miserable if your team are not in a good place because that's just, you're just going to get pain from above at that point and no way to really um, pivot, manage and adapt to whatever, what, you know, whatever the world throws us. And 2020 is probably the and best it, year for that ever. You know? Well, and I think 2020 is a good example of taking care of your team doesn't mean everything's sunshine and rainbows all That's the time. Right. You know, I think part of taking care of your team is making sure that your communication with them is consistent and that is consistent when it's good and that is consistent when it's bad. And I think making sure that you're giving them growth opportunities and you're sharing with them you know, the ups and downs of the group, of the company, of their performance is a really important aspect to making sure that you not only have that trust with them, um, because anyone that is an individual contributor or is a mid-level manager or a leader should want to hear where they can improve. And I think we miss a lot as leaders, and, you know, I've been guilty of this at times, of just sharing the positives people are doing because you don't want them to be upset with you. You don't want their work to deteriorate. But sharing constructive feedback and sharing growth opportunities with people is what we need to do. And it's something that, you know, I think everyone could be better. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about your motivations and, and kind of, you know, signals you looked at to feel that you were doing a good job. You know, you're also, you know, I, I know who you work with, you know, you work for founders and you work for CEOs and, 
And uh, you know, these are these are high functioning, high velocity individuals is probably the way I would describe it. And um, you know, as are most of your peers, to be fair. Um, you know, how do you like as a you know, so you're in this world of programmatic training, and now you're sorry, programmatic trading, and you've been you're in this executive place. How, how did it change in terms of what what your bosses, your environment looked at as you being successful? Like, how, how did that change compared to you know your awesome manager journey, if you like? I think as a leader, you should you should always be measured by the success of your team. You know, and I think there's some some additional pieces of, you know, whether it's project work that you're working on. Um, but it should all be looked at impact. And that is, what's the impact that you are having on your team and their ability to grow? What's the impact that you and your team are having on the organization? Um, I mean, and that covers a lot of different categories. That is, are you able to drive revenue across any given group? Are you able to increase customer satisfaction? Are you able to increase employee satisfaction? You know, and I think a lot of a measurement for success is, is efficiency and is process, but it comes down to, are you running your team well? Are you making decisions well? Are you communicating well with your team and across the organization? So there's more, more cohesion across all of the teams, you know, at, at MIQ for me, but in, in your organization. Yeah. And did that surprise you? So, because what I mean by that was, did you ever feel that that was an explicit request from your bosses, for want of a better phrase, your your those higher up, more higher up than you, was that was you know, you know, did Sean or Gorman take you aside and say, hey, you know, this is this is what we want from you now? I you know I don't think that I've never gotten a here's what's exactly expected of you. I think you know our leaders do a really good job of guiding without telling. You know, I think any good leader does that. It's they push people in the right direction without saying, hey, here's exactly what you need to do. And that kind of goes into the same scope of, of book learning versus experience. Yeah. You know, I think as a, a new and early leader, or an early executive leader, um, my mentors, my bosses allowed me to skin my knees a little bit. You know, I think that is an important part of it. Um, but I think at the executive level, at the top leadership level, um, there's a little bit less focus on performance-based outcomes. And that was probably new to me. I think while I am very in touch with the performance of my team, on the outcomes of my team, I think I've grown more by allowing my lieutenants or the managers under me handle a lot of the in-the-weeds performance-based um, work that needs to be done and managing that with their team. And I think that's been a growth piece for me because I thought that that was going to be a big piece that I need to lean into in the first, you know, six to nine months. And even just, and I'll be open about this, even in my, my feedback that I just did probably a month ago, a lot of what I got from my managers was, we're good. We got the performance stuff. What we need from you is, is more coaching, is more, you know, insight into the strategy of the group, into what's changing, into how we can help. And that was a moment for me of like, oh, shit, like, I need to be leaning in more into my team, not into what they're doing. And I think that was a big um, that's really hard. realization for me. That's, re yeah. that's, that's a real, I mean, you pick two that I'm going to sort of sift out of there. That is so hard because there's always a sense when you go from that manager to executive that you need to be more in control. You need to know exactly what everyone's doing. You need to be able 
to ask any, to be able to answer any question about anything that anyone on your team or your team of teams is doing. But the reality is, you haven't got a clue most of the time. <laughs> they just don't know. And, and that, that not knowing, but still feeling sufficiently confident um, and providing sufficient air cover and elevating is a really, really hard skill to master because, uh, particularly from manager to executive, because we, we're kind of tuned to thinking more in terms of controlling as opposed to tuning in terms of enablement. When you think about the shift from, from a management role, you know, you're managing individual contributors and a lot of your coaching with them is around the hands-on keyboard yeah. work. It's how can you do this better? You know, how can you be more knowledgeable on this? And then you make this shift that it's like, those people should be doing that with their team. You shouldn't be doing that with them. You should be spending your time with them, helping them be a better leader, helping their thought process a little better, helping them coach their teams better. And I think, you know, that is something that I'm always working on and something that, you know, I probably neglected a little bit in the first six months of, of being a new executive leader is, you know, I focused on, hey, how's your team doing? What can we do to get them upskilled? Yeah. Not what can we do to help you be a better, better leader? Yeah. And I think that's something that I've put some concentrated effort into recently. And I really want to make sure that my leadership team has the skills that they need to lead their team. I shouldn't be leading their teams. They should. Which is, which is really amazing. Because what it also does, then it connects back to your comment about no one actually told me what was expected of me explicitly. Because if you think about it, and that's a really difficult transition to when you get to executive, because that's not just in, your, in the world of programmatic training, that's the world anywhere. It's almost like when you get to that level, people just assume you're gonna, your performance is going to be good, you're going to be doing the right things, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be managing the areas that you have responsibility for well. So it's, so it's really, um, it's more directional to say, you know, we need to go in this direction. We need to improve in these ways. And I don't know how you do that, what you do. You know, that's, that's, that's your business. When I think a lot of that comes down to, I mentioned decision-making earlier. You know, yeah. I think as high achievers, whether it's an individual contributor or a manager, you know, we want to make the exact right decision. Um, and we put a lot of time into making that right decision. And as a, an individual contributor or as a manager, that sometimes is the right way to go about it. But as a leader, putting too much time into making the exact right decision um, can be at the detriment of your team. Sure. I think a lot of what I've, you know, realized over the last couple of years watching some of the great leaders, you know, that we have at MIQ or, you know, the great leaders that I have as mentors outside of MIQ. Um, and as well as, you know, analyzing myself from some missteps that I've taken. Um, is that you can't always make the right decision, um, but the best leaders make timely decisions and they make them with conviction and with consistency, um, even when things appear you know, ambiguous or there's incomplete information or they're in an unfamiliar domain, they make confident decisions and they make them with consistency. And that's something that I've watched the people that I look up to do regularly and I think it's a huge piece for anyone that wants to have true followership and to, you know, be a good leader. Yeah. So how are you? Like, so you're, you know, you're getting evaluated now. You, you know, you said you're, you know, you actually just been through that process. So I, I'm curious because, you know, that, that particularly that first time around, that first year, first year and a half, you, you, you kind of don't know what your job really is because it's not been made explicit. You're pivoting to a different 
way of working, way of thinking, way of functioning. And then you sit down and do your review <laughs> and you figure out how much money you're going to get or your bonus or whatever it is. Okay. Explain to someone who's never been in that place before how that feels different from how it feels when you're a manager. Yeah, I think, and I'll lump manager and individual contributor together yeah. because I think they're a bit similar in this. Um, when being evaluated in that phase of your career, success in those early phases looks like what you get. You know, you're doing a great job. We're going to give you more accounts. You know, you are doing a great job. You're going to get this raise. I think when you make the transition into the executive level or into leadership, it's so much more about what you give. And it's what are you doing to develop your team? How are you removing barriers for your team or the organization? How are you continuing to help your team drive positive outcomes? And I think that's the biggest shift there. And I think when I think about the move from execution to leadership, that's it. And it's how are you empowering your team to do the things that you did before? And that's not, you know, tooting your own horn, but it's saying obviously you did a good job when you were a manager. Um, obviously, you don't know what you're doing quite yet as an executive. That comes with experience. Well, maybe um, you never figure it out. Help them, <laughs> right. Help, help them be great managers. Help them lead great teams. And that should be like the main focus of most people. And I yeah. think a lot of the theme of any review that, that executives get comes back to, I mentioned this a little bit at the management level, comes down to trust. And it's, you know, I think some of the, the feedback that I got in my recent review is that I'm a harmonizer. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm good at solving problems. I'm good at moving into a position and making sure that people leave feeling better than they did. Um, part of that is expanding on it with the communication side and, and making sure that I'm landing the right messages and that a leader, I talked about it earlier, is landing their core message. And I think something that I've worked on and that I need to continue to work on is landing your message or landing the core meaning of what you're communicating to people um, without watering it down with other things surrounding it. And I think it's easy to put a big update, whether it's positive, a lot easier if it's negative, to drop it into an agenda with five other things. But I think making sure that you're landing messages clearly and, and concisely on their own is a really important thing for leaders. You see the best leaders in, in my business, in our industry, land a single point yeah. when they're talking about something and it sticks really well with people. Um, and that, I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned just very recently. Yeah, the fine line between not being overly simplistic, but not being overly confusing on what is inherently complicated. Or complex. It's, it's hard. Well, that's where that's the, the that's where the and that's where the watering it down with other things. You know, if you have an important meeting that you're delivering a, a key message and you put three or four other things in there, you're going to confuse people. And that's where it comes down to their interpretation is is your responsibility. And if you water down your message with a bunch of other shit that's not important, yeah. you're you're muddying their interpretation of the message you're trying to yeah. deliver. And this is me communicating that after learning it. Not that it's something that I've done really well, but I think I'm, it, I'm excited to, to develop on top of that after kind of getting feedback around that. 
Hey, Will, you know, it's really interesting when you, you know, this whole, this whole conversation we've had for the last sort of 25, 30 minutes now. Um, what do you do if you're not a harmonizer? If you're not someone who can get along, you know, <laughs> I, I had someone say to me, you know, this guy could make a conversation with a traffic cone. And I thought that was brilliant. I, I, think, I think you kind of fall into that category. I, I find it hard to imagine you not being able to strike a 10, 15 minute conversation with anybody. Yeah. I guarantee you well over half of the people who will listen to this will be like, but I could never do that. What do you say to them? I don't think you need to be a harmonizer to be able to connect with people. You know, I think the idea of, of valuing people's time, valuing their motivations, um, having empathy, you know, and valuing people's strengths, fears, weaknesses, and talking to them about it is a really important part of being a leader, whether it's a manager or an executive. I think harmonizer, not a necessity, but being a good communicator is one of the more important parts of being a good leader. And if, if someone doesn't feel like that's in, in their strengths, um, then I think it's something that they you know, either need to evaluate or need to, to look into being better at because communication on all levels in every direction is one of the most important parts of what drives success for any leader. So, so true. And that's, I guess that's why, why it's one of our um, fabulous non-negotiables, <laughs> you know, along with aligned values and ethics, you know, it's great communicators, grit and hustle, inside out mentality. It's like, you know, without those DNA components, or, albeit there's four of them, <laughs> you're, really, you're really building a ceiling in to what you can, what you yeah, can successfully and I, achieve. And I, I think it's interesting because communication for me as a manager... Um, for years, the trader was really seamless going down to my team. And it was easy for me to harmonize with my team, easy for me to communicate what I needed from them, good and bad, um, because I lived in that, in that realm for such a long time. Um, it was harder for me to communicate up there. I think when I made this shift about a year ago, I put a lot of effort into wanting to be better at communicating up. And I think at the expense of my communication down with my team, and it's finding the balance. I think I've gotten a lot better at the communication and the dialogue and telling my boss what I need and being really precise and consistent with that. And I've let that slip a little bit with my team. So I think one of the things that, and again, leadership is a, an always evolving focus. I think communication for me down with my team, whether it's what I need of them, whether it's where they're winning and losing, um, whether it's what the structure of their day or of our team even is going to look like, is something that I you know, just kind of assumed would land. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I'm working on. Yeah, I think it's more like a cycle, right? I mean, it's like, you know, you put some attention over here, then this needs a bit more, and then he has to swing back. And yeah, I think it's something you work on forever. All right, so, you know, as we've done with all of these, I want to bring it back to, okay, so what's the advice you'd give? You know, so you've got, in fact, in your company, you've got, you've got several people who are going to be kind of, you know, entering or jumping off that cliff into this particular circle of suck. Um, and, you know, I don't know, to me, you're probably, and I, I may be doing you a disservice, but I, I think you're handling it really, really well. You're certainly accelerating out of the circle of suck. <laughs> I was going to say, I've still got, I definitely still have one leg in there. But you're definitely um, on the crest out as opposed to like on the downward slide in. Agreed. I think it's, 
embracing that is important. I think one of the biggest things, and I will, this would be my advice at any point in your career, is embrace the challenge of the unknown. You know, and I think you're going to feel, especially making this jump, that you have no idea what you're doing. And part of that is you are now with a bunch of people that probably have been doing it for a while. And, you know, the, especially your peers are not always going to lean in and help you. You know, they're, and I'll, I'll speak outside of MIQ for a little bit because I get a lot of this feedback from the people that I talk to outside the company. A lot of them are going to take advantage of the fact that you don't know what you're doing and they're going to pile stuff on top of you. And I think learning to embrace the challenge of, of that downward trend in the beginning is going to accelerate you out of it faster. Yeah. One of the things that I think externally that helps often for people to accelerate out the circle of suck is just having an athlete's mentality. You know, being able to yeah. run through the pain, if you will, to find a new ceiling, to recognize that it's all part of getting stronger. You know, those sorts of things. It sounds cliche-like, but I think sometimes it's, it's, very, it's very helpful to have another dimension of your life that's got the same kind of parallels. I mean, you're applying in a very different way. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's got something to do with why you've been able to re see it for what it is a lot easier rather than wallowing in it as much as you could have. Well, and I think the, the athlete mentality or the push through the pain mindset of it is really great for 75% of it. I think I had this conversation with Sean recently, and I think I probably say this to him every two months of what can I be doing? What can I do more of? You know, what do I need to do to be better? And, you know, he shared a quote with me about you can't put an old head on young yeah. shoulders. And that, that really stuck with me. And it's, you know, the experience and, and wisdom needed to be a leader takes time. And you can't teach yourself that. And while you can set yourself up for success, I think that's that other, another piece of advice I'd give is that, you know, leadership is a process can't be read. It can't be taught. You know, you can learn a lot of it and you need to um, through reading, through working with a coach, through being mentored, but it's a process. And part of that is struggling through the experience of not knowing what you're doing. So that's two. I'm going to put you on, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the hook for one more. This, okay. So the third one, I'll use like the most important one for me right now. And that's the communication piece. You know, it's land your core message, communicate, consistently. Um, repetition is king when it comes to getting a message across. Um, but that communication in any direction um, is probably one of the most important things at any level of leadership. And it's being consistent with it, whether it's what you need from the people above you, or whether it's being consistent with what you need from the people below you. It, it not only builds trust but it helps, it helps yourself grow, it helps your boss grow, it helps your directs grow. And it's something that is one of the hardest things to do, you know, giving negative feedback or even asking for something you think you need of a person of higher power yeah. is a hard thing to do. But the more you do it, the more consistent you are with it, um, the more you challenge people, the easier it gets. And this is, you know, me needing to take a little bit of my own medicine here. And it's, I think that's something that we all are, are constantly working on. And it's what we look for, for growth. And, and like I said in the beginning, the motivation of, of most executives is just to do a good job. You know, it's to do well by their teams, do well by their company. And that should be at the core of, 
of communication it should be at the core of everything that we work on to develop. That's uh, that's pretty profound, and uh, I think a lifelong set of learnings that you've expressed there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you if you've got any final thoughts you want to close it out with. I would say, I mean, these last three episodes have been amazing. I think it's been great reflecting back on my journey over the last you know, 12 to 15 years. I think, you know, anyone at any point in their career journey should take a step back, you know, look at what they've accomplished, look at what they have ahead of them and embrace the process of what it takes to grow in your career or what it means to grow as a person um, and make sure that they're putting it in perspective with where they are and that they can't, you can't just jump over st stepping stones, that the growth and the process are as important as anything else you're gonna go through. Yeah, so, so true. And um, you know, it's funny you said that about the, you're the second person who said going, like working with us on like uh, content or you know, whether it be podcast, or whether it be other recordings and stuff we do, it's the process of doing that helped me realize how far I've gone and what I still have to do because it's like forced self-reflection out loud. And, and forced self-reflection out loud is a little bit different than forced self-reflection in a personal diary or a, or sorry, um, a journal. Um, diary is a, a UK phrase that doesn't, 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 doesn't work too well in the States. Um, but um, yeah, you're the second person to have said that. And it's actually one of the reasons why we're trying to do these, um, you know, with fabulous people that we find is because we're actually finding that, you know, the act of doing this is helping them accelerate what they're trying to do. And, and that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're about. Um, well, what can I say? It's been an absolute pleasure. No doubt we'll find something else to do that's, uh, that's more interesting. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, Will is kind of my, my um, I, I, what's my mentor? It's like a, he's like the little, like, a, like the voice on the shoulder because I'm thinking about running a marathon and, and Will, Will's telling me I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And, and I'm thinking, I, I don't know, I don't know. That's a lot of training. It's pretty hard. And he's the one that says, well, you know, you need to, you need to, um, you know, drink some of your own medicine here because it's all in your head. It's not in your body after you've done a certain amount. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be holding Will accountable to um, making me commit to at least a half, if not a full marathon over the, over the uh, weeks and months ahead. But, um, Will, what can I say? This has been absolutely fantastic. I really, really hope, you, thanks for your insights into, you know, just trying to make this real through the lens of, of you know, the audience that, that you talk to and work with. That, you know, that world of programmatic trading is fast moving. It's, it's evolving very fast. It's got a lot of very talented young people um, building their careers off the back of it. And it's, you know, it's not flush with the experience and mentorship that you would have if it'd been a stable industry for 25, 35, 40 years. And, you know, as such, I, I think, um, you know, if, if, uh, if anyone in that industry can use this as a way of maybe, you know, giving them some guide steps along the way, which, 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 um, I think have been quite profound in these three three conversations. So I thank you. Um, it's been a pleasure at a personal level, and uh, I hope our listeners, um, you know, got something out of it. And uh, really, until next time, um, thank you, and everyone else, be fabulous. <laughs>